We're going to talk about um, connecting with other human beings, and um, arguably maybe one of the most challenging things that we'll do. But before that, let me just say this. If you're out there in internet land, or if you haven't been here the whole time, you can pick up all six previous or five previous messages in the series Divine Direction. It's based on an incredible book by Craig Grishel uh, that just inspired me to make seven decisions that would change my life, and I just wanted to share them with you. And as we're going through this, I'm making another seven decisions along the same way. Read it on a cruise, going down somewhere, River, Canada, Montreal, sitting on the back deck. It was just so awesome. I really want to go back. Um, But it was just a really, really great book. So what we've looked is we've explored seven decisions to make our 2023 the best year that we've had yet, right? Because it's got some good years, but we want to make it the best year we can yet. We've looked at um, five decisions so far. And the first decision we looked at was to start one discipline, right? Just one discipline that would just help us tell a better story tomorrow about our lives. Just change that story and help us to be all that we could be, right? And so we did a poll. It's been everything from flossing my teeth to reading my Bible to investing in my marriage. It's just been incredible stuff. The second decision that we focused on was to stop one thing that was hindering me from being all that I could be. And uh, in that one, I think we all came up with a quick list, about 10 things. But we, we said, no, you can't do that. If you try to, try, try to knock out and stop 10 things, it's not going to happen. So just pick one. The third and fourth weeks were, were titled Stay and Go. And it's kind of a paradox because what we really said was this. You know, in one of those places God wants you to want to stay, you know, one of those places you know you need to lean in, you know you need to finish up, but you really want to run, that what we're going to do is make a decision, pick one of those areas and stay, even though it would be easier to go. And man, that, in relationships and jobs, that can be tough stuff, okay? Then in week four, we flipped it on its head and said, there's times when God really wants us to go, like, and it takes faith. So our decision was to, to just leave, keep open, leave some room, right, for, and, and a little faith to do one new thing when it'd probably be easier just to stay right where we're at, right? Because those of you like me are homebodies, and to do that. And then last week, we looked at, at this, this um, fifth decision. And it's rude because the first four kind of pile in on the last three. The first four decisions, to start, to stop, to stay, and to be willing to go, kind of create this catalyst, as it were, for these last three decisions. In other words, if you do the first four, you're gonna hear God say to you, hey, other people are pretty important, why don't you serve them? And that was last week's decision. We, pick, we were going to pick one person. I hope you did this. Like, there's going to be a test at the end. That you pick one person in your world that you were going to serve. Okay? So this week we're going to look at connect and just the power of how important it is that human beings are actually social creatures created by God, designed by God, to do life together. Okay? Now, um, let me just ask you a couple questions so we can get going. Has anybody ever just felt, even though you had people around you at work, even though you maybe had family around you or you came here, you felt totally alone and isolated if you were just going to tell the truth? Been there? Okay. Have you ever um, been at a place where you kind of felt like you were crumbling, maybe? Just like something was amiss, you really needed help, but you're kind of like, I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to be weak. Anybody been there? Um, ever tried to figure out what really big, cool thing maybe God wanted you to do or you're going to do in life, and you didn't have a hero, didn't have a champion, didn't have somebody there? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
No? No? Let me describe it for you. You ready? You kind of had this dream, and everybody kept pulling their guns out and shooting it out of the sky like a duck. Maybe that? Yeah. You know, kind of the naysayers. So if you've been in any one of those places, you've been where I've been. Um, in fact, you know, it's funny because God provided a perfect illustration of this this morning. For the last couple of weeks, we've been real busy. You saw the studio set up on the other side of the wall, and we're videotaping the, the discipleship workshop to share it with the world because people are getting really interested, and there's not enough of us to go around, so we're going to try to do this e-learning thing. And we've been piling in, working on the daycare. Teachers are just doing a great job, and we're trying to reach some new families, do ministry to them, and it's taking a lot of effort and time. And we just had a lot going on. And just for the last couple of weeks, I don't know why, but I just kind of feel off. And I don't know if it's, I don't do real well with change. I don't know if you, anybody else been there. Like, you know, I, I have to adjust slowly. My wife is a teacher, and so we spend the summer together or a week off for winter break. And then she goes back, and I'm like, for a day or two, I'm like, ah, you know, just adjusting. And so I know that about myself. I know that, but this has been a little more intense. And I don't suffer from anxiety. I'm not even sure this call this anxiety, but I just feel really off kilter. And I haven't been able to work through this. I talked to uh, two, really good, two, two really good friends this week over lunch. And I just said, you know, this is where I'm at. And they're like, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> and there's nothing we can tell you. It's the way you're built, whatever. But it's just, it's hung with me. And so last night, you've been here? I woke up at one. I woke up at two. I woke up at three. I woke up at four. And I surrendered at 523 in the morning. And I just got out of bed. I made a cup of coffee, and I sat down, and I was like, God, what is up with me? Because I'm not an unstable, unpeaceful person. I might be a crazy person, but I'm not. And I'm not anxious. I just, it just feels like something's off. You ever done that? Like, you feel like you walk in a room, and, and you sit down, but there's just something out of kilter. And so I keep my finger on it. And I knew the only thing that God said to me was this. You need to get some people this morning at church before you guys get going, and just ask them to lay hands on you and pray. That sounds like a pretty obvious solution. Get your friends to pray. Let me ask you this question. When is the last time you looked at people, even I'm close to all you, and said, hey, so I'm in this really messed up spot. I don't know what's going on. And the only thing God told me was to ask you to lay your hands on me and pray for me. And I don't even know what to tell you to pray. Now that sounds like, well, logical and obvious. But I sat down with about six or seven, eight people in, my, in the, the, the kind of office living room that I have, and I said, listen, so before we pray for the whole church and service and the community and stuff like that, I just need to ask you guys to pray for me, because God told me to, and I gotta tell you, it's one of the most uncomfortable things I've done in a long time. And I don't know if it's because I feel weak to get it. So what keeps us from connections, right? Well, this incredible thing I needed was actually connection, but the hardest thing to get to was to connect with people, because even though they're my friends, I had to define, I had to, to throw out this unknown challenge, this unknown prayer request. In this unsettled state I was, which basically says what? Like, I, you're throwing your hands up. And that is a hard thing to do, isn't it? And I want you to think about why that's difficult to do. And I think if you really answer this honestly, you're gonna answer and know that it's difficult because it makes us vulnerable. You know, you know how to pick a dog, right? I don't know how you pick a cat. I always drink out of the church cup out there that says I love cats, because I don't. And uh, so I just think it's ironic. 
But I know how to pick a dog. The first thing you do if you're picking a dog and you go, oh, it's such a cute dog, you pick the dog up, you roll it over in your arms and see if you can rub its belly. And if you can't, there's not a link. They aren't gonna know who the alpha is. It's gonna own you, you're not gonna own it. Put it down, find another cute dog. And why is that? Because that puppy, like every animal, knows that this is vulnerable. And they will not stay on their back if they don't feel safe. Does that make sense? So what happens is this. The very thing that we need more than anything in the world is to connect. And the most difficult thing in the world for us to do is what? Connect. Let me show you why. The friend of mine who is a coach and a counselor, his name is Joel Mom, and uh, he has this really cool diagram. I'm throwing the people in the back for a loop, so I'm gonna let him catch up. He's throwing them, a, he has this diagram, and it's just a really cool, simple diagram. It really resonates with me. Maybe it'll resonate with you. And Joel's proposition is that we have three needs in our lives, a need for safety, a need for connection, and a need for empowerment. That's all great. All those are connect, right? In order to get any one of those three things, you have to connect with other human beings. Think about it, right? And, and what I'm gonna tell you is, before we end today, you're gonna see we're designed to connect with human beings. I'm even gonna show you three ways, three very specific ways to connect with other people that will take your life and provide these three things. The reason this is so difficult is illustrated in a second diagram that Joel puts, and here it is. The problem is this. Though we want safety, we often experience abandonment in relationships. Anybody there? Okay. And though we, oft, we really seek to connect to make a friend, we often experience rejection. Anybody been there? I had a friend this week. He was a friend this week, and he was like, trying this new friendship, and blah, 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 We were like on our third conversation with our third cup of coffee, and I said, you're afraid of getting rejected, aren't you? And he goes, well, of course. And I go, well, your people around you haven't rejected you. It's like it's hardwired in us, right? But then if you get rejected, it comes from hardwired to scared to death. And then empowerment, the opposite of empowerment is humiliation. That may not resonate with you unless you've been humiliated. I'm not gonna ask you to even raise your hand for that. I have been, it's a painful thing, and the last thing I wanna do is in a crowd say that. But I'll, put it, but I'll ask you this one, this is easier. How many of you have ever been manipulated in a connection? That's the antithesis, too, of empowerment, right? When people manipulate you. So why do I show you these three diagrams? Well, I show you these three diagrams for this simple thing There's a a life saying that says this, you show me your friends and I'm gonna show you what? Your future. So we, we need to connect and God wants us to connect. Got it? Like there's just no doubt that we need to connect and God wants us to connect. So I'm gonna give you a couple just biblical illustrations. Let me some biblical pictures of connections that went great. I'm gonna go for the ones that went bad. We're all good with bad, right? We all know how it goes bad, yes? All right, let me give you the first one. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, just just two incredible friends. They duked it out at times in ministry, but long before they ever served God together, Paul was a guy who murdered Christians. 
So he was a Jewish leader and teacher, and he had permission from the Jewish leaders and government to go out and hunt down Christians and persecute them, oppress them, and even kill them. This was his, he was a zealot. So Jesus had come, and Jesus gave his life, and Jesus forgave sin, and Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven, and everybody could see that. And the people who didn't like this thing, this new revolution, right? Because the new revolution was what? Jesus saves. You don't need a priest. They fought against it. They're like, we've always done it X way, and that's Paul. So you have this guy who's out killing Christians for a living, like this is his job. And then he gets saved. (laughs) He becomes a Christian. Jesus actually shows himself to Paul. Paul gets saved. And of course, then Paul's like, well, I want to tell everybody about Jesus. And all the Christians were like, yeah, right. You've been murdering us for years. We don't believe you. They thought he was a spy. They wouldn't trust him. Nothing happened. Paul couldn't really advance in ministry. The church leaders against him. Everybody's like, watch out for this guy. And it makes sense, right? But then along comes Barnabas. And Barnabas chooses to do the, one of the most powerful things, makes a decision to connect with Paul. Barnabas met Paul. He heard Paul's story. He saw Paul's zeal for the Lord and how Paul had changed. And Barnabas connected with him. Look, look at what this says. It's really, really cool. Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles He told the apostles, the leaders, the church leaders, how Paul on his journey had actually seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus, Paul had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Paul stayed with the church leaders and moved about freely in Jerusalem, the center of the church, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. Now you may not notice about Paul, but Paul wrote about two-thirds of the books in the New Testament. He planted innumerable churches. He fathered thousands and thousands, probably tens of thousands of Christians. He's taught us more about how to walk in the faith and the theology of the faith. You know why? Because he was a Jewish scholar, and he totally got the God story. And when he figured out how Jesus fit into it, he was a rock star explaining God, salvation, freedom, forgiveness to us. He's an incredible writer, very complex, but an incredible guy. He has changed the face of the world. In the face of Christianity, God's used him for people like us who are called Gentiles. We didn't grow up in the Hebrew. We didn't grow up with the Old Testament. And that was Paul's calling. That's what God told Paul to do. But the man who connected with Paul and ushered in the beginning of that incredible ministry was Barnabas. Barnabas put himself on the line, and that one decision to connect made a huge difference for Paul personally but it also made a gigantic difference for the entire world. Incredible. Let me tell you about another connection. There's another connection that you see, and it happens three times during one man's life. It's a king, his name is David. In the Bible, he was called a man after God's own heart. He was was referred to as just this... Guy who chose God. What you may not know about him is he was like me. He was a teeny tiny guy. In fact, he was the smallest of all his brothers. And so instead of getting to go off to war and be a warrior for Israel, David stayed home and watched sheep. He had to trust God because nobody was there. And he defended the sheep against lions, bears, and wolves. Oh my, right? 
And then one day, we, and if you've been in church, you know this, he went out to take lunch to his brothers at the front of the battle lines, and they're all standing there, <laughs> and there's a giant down there in the valley, and the giant's like, come, I'll fight you. Whoever wins, wins the war. It's just one-on-one. -on -one. This was, a, by the way, a very classic battle tactic. When you were tired of everybody dying, you picked your two strongest soldiers, you sent them out to fight each other. Whoever won, that nation won. That group of people won. So that's the setup, and of course, if you know the story, little David, they try to put the arm on him, he can't even carry it, and he goes out, and he takes a slingshot, and he kills the giant in this miraculous feat because he said this, there's no way my God's going to be shamed by this idiot. And the stories go on, David defends Israel again and again and again, but it's not all roses, it's not all easy, it's not, because the guy who was king when David was getting more recognized was jealous. His name was Saul. And so he started out to chase him down and oppress him and try to kill him. And David wasn't always the best guy. Like, David made this mistake of having political marriages outside of the marriage that God gave him, and he ended up with all these wives, and it was a big dramatic mess. It was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? The housewives of Jerusalem County. It was just a disaster, right? But in this whole journey of David's he had three friends, and they're the three kinds of friends that, that I think we all need. Friend type number one, the friend who is going to champion you and challenge you to meet your potential, your God-given potential to be all you can be. Friend type two, the friend who's going to hold your arms up when you can't hold your arms up anymore. The friend who's going to be there and remind you of God's promises. The friend who's going to stand with you and say to you, uh-uh-uh-uh, don't you give up. God's big. He can get through this. The one who's going to cheer and champion, who's going to be there at the worst of times. And then the third type of friend, the friend who will tell you what you need to hear when you don't want to hear it. Well, David had all three kinds of these friends. Let me introduce you. The first type of friend was Samuel, who was a prophet. And long before David or any of his family had any idea that he was going to be king, he was just out there being a shepherd, Samuel showed up at the family ranch. And he said, God sent me here to anoint the next king of Israel. And of course, they marched at all the tall, strong football player brothers. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't you have any more kids? Because these are not the guys. And they only have one more little itty bitty guy. He's out the shepherd. And he goes, well, get him. And so here comes David, smelling like a sheep, been out in the shepherding fields forever, rolls in. Samuel looks at him, anoints him, and says, you're the man God picked to be king. And then from that point on, Samuel pours into David's life. Friend type number one, the champion, the hero, the mentor, the one who shows you the possibility of who you can be in God and what you can do. How many of you would like to have a friend like that? Yeah? Here's the question. Who is the Samuel in your life? Because you need one. Friend type two. Let me introduce you to Jonathan. Jonathan's a peer of David's in a weird twist of fate. Jonathan is the son of Saul, the king who's trying to kill David. While Saul is trying to kill David and he's hunting him and chasing him hither and thither all over the place, guess 
who is constantly encouraging David that God called him, he should be patient, follow God, stick with it, don't run away, don't do something bad, and who warns him when his dad's going to kill him. Who's that person for David? Jonathan. Again and again, here's Jonathan providing trust, reminding him of what God said, helping him find strength in the times that are tough. David has Jonathan. Who's your Jonathan? Who knows you? Knows everything about you? Who can reach in? Who do you say, I'm falling apart to? Who knows when you're in the battle? Who's your Jonathan? Who's your strength giver? It's because we need that. Before I move to Fin 3, I want to say this to you. Are you beginning to understand and hear from God and in your heart feel and sense the incredible power of connecting with other people who make you better? And maybe some of you, the incredible need. Because if you're like me, I had people around me for years and years, but I didn't have these three kinds of friends. And I didn't open myself up because that seemed weak. Or because I didn't want people to know. Or because I was embarrassed. Who wants to say, man, I'm in the middle of a messy relationship. Dude, I got no idea what I'm doing at work. Boy, I tell you, you get it? Who believes the one who says to them, do you see who you can be? Because when I stack up who I can be against all my failure, you get how hard this is. Do you get it? But the point is we need it. Dude, we need friends. And we need these kind of friends. A friend one is the one that champions to show your potential. You're, right? You're Samuel. Friend two, the one there providing strength when you need it, you're Jonathan. The third kind of friend is a guy, his name was Nathan, and he was a prophet. And man, he stood by David. He helped uh, David hear from God. He helped him figure things out. But Nathan wasn't just a fair weather friend. David really messed up, man. He slept with another uh, man's wife, and it was a man who worked for him. And then when he couldn't cover it up because she got pregnant, he actually had the man killed. And then he took her to be his wife to make it all look better. Kind of a double shotgun wedding. Nathan knew the answer. Nathan knew that David was wrong. And Nathan knew David needed to figure this out for himself so he didn't live in bondage his whole life to this stupid thing he did. He needed to to repent. He needed to find forgiveness. Now, you may not understand how kings work, but kings can kill people. Clearly, he killed the husband. Nathan took the risk to go before the king of the nation and tell him, you're wrong. You stole another man's wife, and you are in trouble with God. You got to fix this. That's a risk. That's a hard kind of friend to be. By the way, that's hard news to hear back, isn't it? But how would you like for somebody to look deep down into your heart and say, hey, let me tell you something. With all the love of my heart, if you're asking me where you're screwing up, I'll tell you exactly where it is. Somebody who has that kind of love for you, but also has that kind of wisdom. I have two or three people like that in my life. Incredibly powerful. And then I have a bunch of people I didn't invite in (laughs) doing the same thing. 
But I'm talking about the ones who are actually speaking with wisdom and love for my good. Does that make sense? Well, Nathan was that guy. Here's how the Bible describes a Nathan. I just thought I'd share these two verses with you because I think they're really cool. So the way, that, the way that the Bible describes a Nathan is this. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That's the way friendship's supposed to be. Constantly making each other sharper, better. Kind of all three of those falling in. But definitely when it gets tough, here's the second way the Bible describes this kind of friend. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. How many people have been kissed by the enemy, right? Mm, you're so nice. And then the break room, they're like, Fah. right? Passive aggressive turd balls. That's what I like to call them. Oh, you're so great, but. You know, they're talking to your boss and they're like, oh, yeah, she's such a good worker, you know, except for that one. <laughs> you get it, right? Always have people like this in our life. But a good friend does what? Man, it'd be better to be slapped in the face by a good friend who's headed and looking for my best than to have tons of friends who may be more like enemies to me, distractors. Does that make sense? Good. So David had these three kinds of friends. And it kind of brings us to this little crux in this conversation because being connected with these three kinds of friends um, we need it. But, but it's not common. 81% of all United States citizens, adults, I guess adult, Facebook age and up, whatever that is, 15, say that they have multiple, many connections with other people. You know what powers that, right? The obvious. Social media. And what it's done is it's redefined the term friend to mean somebody who clicked a follow button. Anybody, anybody on social media who clicked that follow button and then just blasted you and said something, I mean, wrong, unfair, mean, bullying, yeah? Things they would never say to your face because you'd beat them up, right? Or your friends would beat them up, right? So you get it, right? But even if it's not a vicious turnaround, it's still this relationships that's just this digital, shallow, whatever. Like, I look at people's Facebook pages, and I imagine what 180 opposite degrees would look like, because that's my theory. We don't put, well, there are a few people who put all their depressing stuff all over Facebook, but we don't read their stuff. We just move on to the person who has flowery, look, everything's great in my marriage, you know. And, and they never fight, and their kids are beautiful because they apparently have a professional photographer following them around the whole time. And everything's lovely, you know, and every meal's great, and every egg's cooked perfectly. And, and, but what that's done is it's watered down what we mean by friends. Because, like, if you just click a follow button and you don't know me, I'm not there for you. In fact, you wouldn't even ask me to be there for you. You wouldn't ask me to be one of these three types of friends because you get this definition of friend, this new definition of friend, which is what? Weak. Out of that 81% they're connected, 25% say they have no friends, no one around them at all. Another 25% say, none of this is real. 50% are like, eh. Nobody's out there going, I've got an incredible circle around me. It's a very small percentage. So what we have is the illusion of being connected to people 
and we're not connected. How many of you have gone to church like this? Right? Everybody's there, and hey, Bob, <laughs> selling insurance to each other and everything else. But then they leave, there's nothing that's not there. Even if it's not mean, it's just not there. But there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Because when it gets right down to it, my morals are probably going to reflect the morals of my five closest people, right? We know how this works. My spending habits, my finances are probably going to reflect the finances of the five people who are closest to me. Because either I'm going to be drawn to them or they're going to be drawn to me and we're just going nowhere. My spiritual passion is going to be attached probably to theirs and, and reflect theirs. And again, we're back to that quote. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So today's question about today's decision is this. Which one of these friends do you need to be? Which one do you need? Like in your life right now, if you just looked at your life, like this morning, what was mine? I told you my story. This morning, I needed friends in category two because I got no idea what's going on around me. I didn't need them to pump me up and tell me who I could be. I mean, that's fine if God told them that. But what, I, what, what my perceived need was this morning was some people who could gather around me and just be strong for me and pray for me, even though they didn't know what to pray. Get it? And they provided me with what, by the way? Safety. Remember that triangle? Keep it. I didn't need them to empower me. They're already my friends. Get it? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Which type of friend do you need right now? I just want you to think about that question. Do you need a friend who's going to show you how to be all you can be? Do you need a friend who'll be there to be strong? Or do you need somebody who'll tell you how it is to help you square yourself away? And there's somebody who won't just go, oh, bud, it's all right. We all have, you know. All right. Now that you know what type you need, I want you to think about the people around you or the people in this room. And I want you to pick one person, not three, one, that can be that friend to you. Now, if you're picking at a category three, you need somebody to tell you, you know, the truth when you don't want to hear it. That could be tough. Don't pick somebody weak. You pick somebody who you know will be on your side, but it's not going to have mince words. That's like hiring a coach or a trainer. All right, do you have a name? Do you have a category? Do you have a name? Yes? This is yes. This is. All right, before we go on, I want to ask you the same question a different way, which is this. Which one of these friends do you need to be to somebody else? Do you ever think about that? Like, what's your God-given strengths? How did he create you? You know you're that person who can see right from wrong and tell somebody lovingly but firm? Or are you that person who's just the cheerleader? Maybe that'll help you figure it out. Which one of these friends do you need to be to somebody else? Or look, at, look around you in your immediate circle and go, okay, all my friends need to hear the truth. I guess that's who I need to be. I gotta figure that out. You know what I mean? Either look in your context, what do they need, which means that tells you what you need to be. Or just look at how you're made. Okay, so I want you to pick. 
Do you need to be the one who champions and helps people see their potential? Or do you need to be the person who helps carry people through when they're weak, when they're facing battles and strong? Remind them of the things of God when they're facing decisions. Or do you need to be the person who tells the truth to somebody even when they don't want to hear it? All right, did you pick your category? Now I want you to pick one person you can go be that person to. Pick, pick one person you can be that person to. You got it? Okay. You have two people. One person you need to connect with because you need to consume. You need some help. You want to be better. You want to dream new dreams. You want to write a better ending to your story. And that happens by we're designed to do life together. So this is one connection that feeds me and changes my story. And then you have another name, right? And your other name is what? The name of a person that you can contribute to. You got those two names? This is yes. This is no. And this is, I don't have friends. You don't need to leave today without a friend. A bunch of people in the room. It's worth the risk. If you're getting ready to pick somebody in the room and be friends with, come tell me. I'll tell you whether they're trustworthy or not. I think they all are. But I'll tell you their strengths and weaknesses. I have no problem. I will help you hone down and find a friend. Because this place is trustworthy and true. I have a ton of friends. But you have two people. What are you going to do with that? Same thing we've done with every decision. What is it? You're going to go home. You're going to talk to somebody smart in your life, your spouse, your boyfriend, your mom, your dad, your trusted friend, and go, this is what I'm thinking. These are my two people. I need this kind of person. I'm going to go after Bob. And I need this kind of person. I'm going to go try to be that to Mary. What do you think? I want you to pray. And then, then the most important step, sleep. Just sleep on it. And then on Tuesday, you're going to get up and start those two connections. Even if you think you might get rejected, who cares? Just go for it. It's God's stuff. He loves you. It's okay. How are you going to do that? Well, what you need is easy, right? Because if you ask somebody, hey, listen, you want to go get coffee, man? I just see you as that kind of person who's just a dreamer, and I just want to spend some time with you. You're, you're giving them trust, right? So as long as they go, let's go have coffee, we're good, right? Right? I would suggest you not go like a sucker fish. I just suck and I just need somebody to pour into me. I mean, they'll probably do it because of this message. But <laughs> it's not the best way to begin. Just build a friendship, you know, and, and, and let them contribute to your life. The person you picked that you think you can be friend to, be a little more cautious. <laughs> Take a deep breath or two. Because if you just show up in somebody's life and go, you know, I was praying and I picked you. You're going to be the person I'm going to tell the truth to, even though you don't want to hear it. Um, they're not going to listen to you. And the reason they're not going to listen to you is because there's no trust. Even if you go, hey, by the way, I just wanted to tell you, you're going to be president of the United States. They're not gonna, there's no trust. So when it comes to you going to contribute to somebody else, why don't you just go to coffee and just begin to build a relationship. When there's trust, then be that person God wants you to be to that person. Because they'll see it then. And you know what? The cool thing is, boomerang, they probably have, they're probably one of those other kind of friends who's going to be able to shoot that blessing right back to you. And I just have chills running up down my spine when I think about this. Because if we all do this and we do it well, we're going to be an unrockable community. 
that God can use for incredibly big things in each other's lives, for our kids, for the community. Because people are going to see it and they're going to go, dude, nobody has that. And, and by the way, if you don't have that, like if you're sitting here right now and you're going like, this is foreign to me. I do not have this. I do. Nanny, nanny, poo, poo. No, I do. I can show you how to get there. Let me tell you the first step. The very first step that you're gonna take is you're gonna make the one most, and you're gonna go, don't tell me about this Jesus guy. I'm going to. Because what changed my whole world, what set me up to receive and to give to other people was forgiveness. And that forgiveness brought me freedom from shame. The most important connection is like, you're the God of the universe. You offer forgiveness. You make no sense. But I'm looking at it. It's real. I want it. Help. Remember that triangle? We're going to put that back up real quick. What did the triangle, what were the needs that we had? Right? The needs for, for what? Safety, empowerment, and connection. Well, let me show you God's answer. Because he provides forgiveness, solitude, and community. He, he provides all the forgiveness we need instead of abandoning us. And he provides us community by adopting us into his family and putting this kind of stuff around you. And when you look at solitude, don't think aloneness, think peacefulness. Rest to be who you are and who he designed you to be. That's the God I know. That's the God we sang about all this morning. And that's where it starts. If you're not ready for that, then just invite me to coffee. I can be any one of these three types of friends to you. Most would say my strength is friend number three. Sorry. Followed closely by friend number one, the person who will help you see all the potential. I do friend number two, like providing strength and reminding you and faith really well, but it's not my default. But I'll do my best. You do not need to leave here unable to connect because the decision to connect is what's gonna launch your 2023 into a better place. We are designed to be together. Like David, in our journey, we need those three kinds of friends. What do you need? Who are you gonna chase? What can you give? Who are you gonna target? What will we become? Father, thank you so much for saving me doing what you've done in me. You know, I'm in a weird place right now. A lot of change going on and people over the country asking us to do stuff that we don't feel qualified to do and I get jittery about that stuff and such a big dream for the community gate care that's just done so well. It's gonna go to the next place and I'm just so like, God, how do we get there? I mean, the staff's incredible, but it's just how do we... How do we do that next thing? And, and you know, God, I long for the chairs that are empty today to be full of people, not because I need a full church, because I don't, but because we have chairs, that's capacity for somebody to have what I have. And so my heart's just all in that place. So I'm gonna pray this prayer, and I, I just encourage anybody else who wants to pray this prayer to just pray it out loud or whisper, whatever. Commit it to words. God, 
I believe in you, I do. Even when you're unbelievable. Would you send me the champion, the person who sees the potential in me, not, not in shallow words or their opinion, but directly from you when I need it? And God, will you sneak in those supporters who, who just stand there and remind me of what you've said is true and yeah, you're not good enough, but he is. And Father, if I'm erring, man, if I'm just wandering off the path or if I just don't get how to get better, man, send me that friend that'll speak those hard words to me that bring life, but that are, yeah, odd to say. Let us be and connect the way you designed. We long, God, we long not just to live with you, but to do something incredible with you. Show us where you're going, where you're working. We just want to be a part of it. All blessings and honor be to your name, God. Blessed be your name. The mighty and only living God. All glory be to you. You are God. Amen. I hope you have an incredible week. And I hope you chase these kind of people. Because I'm spoiled because I have them. I want, we want the best for you. That's the only reason to do everything that gets done here. And we're just part of a huge plan that we don't own. Cool.